John Antiaco, Blockbuster's chairman and CEO, walked into the wood-paneled conference room in the General Motors building high above Manhattan as board members were taking their seats. It was February of 2007, and Antiaco was feeling pretty good about himself. The board was about to learn that their nemesis, Netflix, and its CEO, Reed Hastings, were on the ropes. In a final, transparently desperate bid to beat Blockbuster, Hastings had offered to buy Blockbuster Online's 3 million subscribers for $200 per. Even though Antiaco found Hastings' condescending attitude toward Blockbuster insufferable, he had agreed to Hastings' request to bring the proposal to the board. What he didn't tell Hastings was that he would recommend the board reject the offer and let Netflix wither and die. Billionaire Carl Icahn liked to preside over these meetings, even though he was just a board member and Antiaco was chairman. Antiaco and Icahn regularly locked horns over Blockbuster's huge debt and how much Antiaco spent on Blockbuster's online service. With this offer, though, Antiaco was expecting praise from Icahn. He sat back and let his lieutenant, Shane Evangelist, lay out Hastings' proposal and the recommendation to reject it which would bury Netflix. Blockbuster Online is adding 25,000 subscribers a day thanks to Total Access. At this rate, we'll have over 4 million subscribers in six months. We need 5 million subscribers just to break even, to stop the losses we take on every time a subscriber swaps out an online DVD for a free store rental. We don't want to sell for the price Netflix is offering. Let's just keep doing what we're doing to make sure online grows. We have all the momentum, so let's just hang on a little longer. Icon barely looked at Antiaco. He seemed to not even be listening to what Evangelist was saying. Instead, he was looking down at a document and pressing his lips together. The moment Antiaco was savoring would be short-lived. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL and speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines, and every step along the way you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S., and Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown.
Antiaco had traveled a long road to get to where he stood now before the board, with his foot on Netflix's throat. It had required hubris and dirty tricks on both sides, and an expensive price war that began for Blockbuster three years earlier, on July 15, 2004. That's when Netflix initiated a conference call on quarterly earnings with Wall Street analysts and investors. Hastings was crowing about his growing subscriber base, its soaring stock price, and its seemingly unstoppable future, with Netflix looking to grow abroad. What Hastings didn't know at the time was that the blockbuster chiefs in Dallas were quietly, gleefully listening in on the call, waiting for the moment to pounce. Shane Evangelist and his lieutenants hung on Hastings' every word. When analysts asked Hastings about Blockbuster's rumored online service, Evangelist knew this would be the moment Hastings would step into the trap. Evangelist was silently waiting on that conference call, waiting to launch a giant screw you at Hastings for the months of insults that still rang in his ears. We expect Blockbuster.com to be approximately as successful against us as Barnes & Noble was against Amazon. Launch it! This is going to be fun. As the Netflix conference call was still underway, Blockbuster Online launched its new website for the first time publicly. Blockbuster just launched an online movie and DVD site, and the market seemed to have been waiting for this move. It was a blue and yellow clone of Netflix.com. The subscription was $2 cheaper, and it came with coupons for free in-store rentals. As Hastings was speaking to analysts, Netflix's stock price began plummeting. Netflix CEO Barry McCarthy began to frown as he looked at the share prices on his laptop. Netflix had nothing but good news to report, so why was the stock price dropping on the NASDAQ ticker? Well, the answer came from one of the analysts' questions. The consumer blog Hacking Netflix reported that Blockbuster had just launched a beta test of its online DVD rental service, Blockbuster Online. As they wrapped up the call, Hastings typed blockbusteronline.com into the address bar on his laptop. Back in Dallas, Evangelist and his team had expected this, too. They watched through a URL tracker as Hastings and McCarthy created accounts and clicked through the site. They didn't even bother to disguise themselves. Ben Cooper, Blockbuster's marketing director, spotted them right away. Welcome to Blockbuster Online, Reed and Barry. When the site came up, Hastings and McCarthy sat staring at Hastings' laptop in utter shock. They stole it. They copied everything. McCarthy's voice was rising in fury. We aren't competing with Blockbuster. We're up against ourselves. Hastings and his co-founder, Mark Randolph, had spent seven years, tens of millions of dollars, and thousands of hours with focus groups to develop Netflix's data-gathering website. What Hastings didn't know yet was that Evangelist hadn't just copied the website. He had sent spies posing as Netflix subscribers into its distribution centers, too. The Blockbuster team didn't have a fraction of the tech knowledge that the Netflix founding team had. They were all in their 20s and had one thing that qualified them to compete against Netflix at all, the belief they could do it. Antiaco gave them $25 million in six months to build a website that could catch Netflix. And they had done it. 
They had survived a grueling three-year price war. They had struggled to match Netflix's superior technology and seven-year head start. They had battled against Blockbuster's own store operators and its board, and they had stopped Netflix from stealing customers. Now, let's get back to that board meeting. We don't want to sell for the price Netflix is offering. Let's just keep doing what we're doing to make sure online grows. We have all the momentum, so let's hang on a little longer. Well, after Evangelist finished, Icon peered up from the agenda at Antiaco, acting purposefully unimpressed. For two years, he had been trying to oust Antiaco. This latest development would make it harder. If he forced out Antiaco, he'd have to give him his huge $54 million termination package. The next agenda item was routine, but its impact on Blockbuster and on the home entertainment world would be profound. The board turned to the approval of annual bonuses for Antiaco and his executive team. The directors approved each executive's bonus without discussion until they reached Antiaco's name. Icon glanced at the amount typed on the paper. $7.6 million. His face went white with rage. There is no way we are going to pay you all this money. What do you mean? You approved it last year. You're on the compensation committee. I didn't know it was going to be this big. Well, you should have done the math. How is this going to look to our investors? The stock has lost almost half its value in three years, and you barely posted a profit last year. And you think you're entitled to this kind of compensation? I hit all the targets that you set. The board ordered Antiaco out of the room while it discussed his bonus. When he returned, several board members averted their eyes. Icon looked straight at Antiaco. You will get half the bonus. That is all you're going to get. And if you dispute this, you get nothing. We'll see about that. Antiaco walked out of the boardroom. When he returned to Dallas, there was a check waiting for him on his desk for $2 million. Far less than the half bonus he'd been promised. As the rage rose in him, he strode into the office of his CFO and thrust the check under his nose. Send this back. Tell them I'm not accepting this. I'd rather take nothing. Antiaco called his attorney to demand arbitration over the bonus. He would have agreed to cut the amount as a goodwill gesture to his stockholders, but he was damned if he was going to let Icon bully him into this. As soon as Icon heard about the ruckus, he went on the offensive in as public a way as possible, on television and in the national press. The battle inside Blockbuster heats up as Carl Icahn goes on the offensive. I've said from the start that I found the contract to be unconscionable. Contracts of this type are a major problem in corporate America. It undermines accountability. It's not a personal thing. I like John Antiaco personally and wish him all the best in the future. Only days before the dispute was to go into arbitration, Antiaco and his wife Lisa were at their ranch outside Dallas watching a movie in their bedroom. It was midnight in New York when Icon called Antiaco. As soon as Lisa heard Antiaco say, Hi, Carl. She made a beeline to the liquor cabinet to bring her husband a bottle of tequila and a shot glass. She could tell Icon was lit up with a couple of martinis himself and spoiling for a fight. 
dragging the company through another fight over your exorbitant compensation package. Don't you care how that double bonus looks to shareholders who've lost almost half their value in Blockbuster? Just accept the lower bonus and let's call off the arbitration. Instead of the usual adrenaline that Antiaco felt at these moments, something different came over him. Something closer to calm and detachment. He realized he was done with Icon and his power plays. Antiaco had accomplished what he set out to do with Blockbuster, and now he wanted out. I'll tell you what, Carl. Let's negotiate my severance package. For the next hour or so, he and Icon hammered out a new compensation package. This one was half the size of the $54 million package he'd threatened Icon with two years earlier. But Antiaco got his full bonus of $7.6 million, and he donated it to his favorite charity, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. After what was reportedly a fierce battle between Carl Icahn and Blockbuster CEO, John Antiaco is out. Antiaco agreed to stay on until Icahn and the board found a new CEO for Blockbuster. What Antiaco could not have anticipated was that Icahn would, perhaps out of spite, bring on the anti-Antiaco. Icon proudly announced the new Blockbuster CEO in July of 2007. It was Jim Keyes. He and Antiaco had worked together earlier in their careers at the Southland Corporation, parent company of the 7-Eleven convenience store chain. Keyes hated Antiaco. Keyes was a ruddy, rotund man in his 50s, brusque and all rough edges. It was expected that he would continue Antiaco's winning strategy. But Keyes was determined to erase all traces of his former rival. Keyes wanted to staunch the bleeding of capital, a reasonable proposition, except for where he wanted to make the cuts. Shortly after he moved into his sleek office at the 56-story Renaissance Tower in Dallas, Keyes summoned Evangelist from Blockbuster Online. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Jim Keyes listened as Evangelist made his pitch for Blockbuster's online business. Jim, there are three things we have to do. First, we got to buy MovieLink to compete with Netflix's new streaming service. Second, 
I have a plan to cut $12 million in costs from our operations. And third, we have a new marketing campaign for total access. Evangelist waited. Then Keys dropped a bomb. The online business is killing Blockbuster. You've spent $450 million marketing total access, and you're way over budget. I'm cutting off your marketing budget so we can focus on the stores. Evangelist was shocked. Keys was suggesting, essentially, killing the online part of the business, the one thing Blockbuster was finally getting right. Defying reason, Keys wanted to return to the days of video rental stores. The former 7-Eleven exec was proposing rolling back everything that had put Blockbuster on top. In his last months as CEO, Antiaco had urged evangelists to work harder to grow Total Access. They needed 5 million subscribers to stop the losses and break even. And they were almost there. Cutting marketing and in-store DVD swaps would stop growth right in its tracks. Evangelist tried reasoning with Keys. You got a billion-dollar asset, Jim. If you don't want to run it, sell it. Who is going to want this money-losing proposition? Well, how about that guy in Los Gatos, California, who offered us $200 a subscriber six months ago? Go talk to Reed Hastings at Netflix. He's losing subscribers to us. Maybe he'll give you $300 a sub. Keys dismissed Evangelist and refused to listen to any further talk about selling Blockbuster online. After a bruising battle, Blockbuster, which had been solidly on top, now finds itself at the mercy of Netflix. By the end of the year, Evangelist's part of the business had lost nearly half of its subscribers, and he and most of his team had quit. And Netflix? Well, Netflix had started growing again. By seeking to end the bleeding in marketing, Keys had only succeeded in opening an artery. Ultimately, it would turn out to be a fatal, self-inflicted wound. A few months later, at a dinner party in San Francisco thrown by board members of his new company, U.S. Auto Parts Network, Evangelist saw a familiar face sitting across the table. Reed Hastings. They'd never met, but they knew who each other was. And after a moment of awkwardness, Hastings opened the conversation. You had us in checkmate. You know, we would have paid more for those subscribers. I know. Evangelist shook his head ruefully. You had a superior proposition. So, how long do you think we have until Keys runs Blockbuster right into the ground? Evangelist considered this for a moment. I'd say you have about two years. In fact, it was three years after that conversation that Blockbuster Corporation filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, September 23, 2010. After his war with Blockbuster... Hastings learned to be more circumspect when speaking about the competition. Next time, he resolved to replace bluster with subterfuge. And now, that promise to himself was about to be tested. Hastings had learned not to trash talk his foes, which now included Redbox and the cable companies. When he had the chance to go on CNBC or something, he downplayed Netflix's role in the new digital ecosystem and talk up the importance and staying power of cable companies. Like he meant it. At the end of the day, online services like ours are just drops of water in an ocean of viewing. Take cable. We're complementary to cable. In the not-too-distant future, the studios, the TV networks, 
will be their biggest customers. So everybody wins. You can tell what Hastings is up to, right? Hastings wanted to lure cable companies into complacency by getting them to think about all those licensing fees they would earn from Netflix, which was streaming thousands of cable's premium movies and TV shows. Jeff Bucus was chairman and CEO of Time Warner. Media giant? Definitely. Still, Bucus looks at Netflix, and what does he see? A good deal for Time Warner. I mean, what? How could an online video business hurt the big networks, the media giants, like Time Warner? Oh, come on, as Bucus put it. It's a little bit like, is the Albanian army going to take over the world? I don't think so. But viewers got used to watching what they wanted, when they wanted, for as long as they wanted. Studio executives didn't know it, but Hollywood was already on fire, and they hadn't even noticed the smoke. But before taking on the Hollywood gods, Netflix would first have to slay Blockbuster. On the next episode of Business Wars, evangelists fight to the end, including corporate espionage. We got Netflix subscribers, right? Let's get them down to those distribution centers. Tell them to bring along a Netflix envelope or something and pretend to be returning a DVD. I don't care. We need information about how they're organizing their inventory and pictures, pictures of the insides of those warehouses. From Wondery, this is Business Wars, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. Hey, if you like what you've heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. There's another way you can support us, and that's by answering a short survey at wondery.com survey. Don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Gina Keating, author of the book Netflix, wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer Beckman. Sound designed by Jeff Schmidt and Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey the host of Wandery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, The Wondery App, or wherever you're listening right now.